Milkshake IPA Pilsner's for Saturday. Anyone but Chester. Podcast built on spite. Talking beers we like. Anyone but Chester. Tune in to see where on the yummy scale it will be. Anyone but Chester. Come get a taste. It's the Only One But Chester podcast. I'm Matthew Smith and my co-host this week and every week is Owen Frost. Owen, hello, sir. Stop. Please stop. That is... (laughs) <laughs> if anyone is still listening now, that is horrendous. Hello. Uh, it was Hi. good. Hi. Welcome. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, for the listener, we're recording on the holiest of days, Pancake Day. Uh, something I found out about you today, actually, was that yes. you you don't like pancakes, or you're not, not a big, big fan pancake of them. fan. Not a big pancake fan. I know, I know, I know, I know a lot of people were uh, not, but I like a crepe. I do like a crepe, just not a big pancake kind of guy. That's I've known it. you for 12 years, and I don't know why. That really hit me hard. Really well, did. there you are. There you are. Still, see, after 12 years, you're still learning more about me. I'm like, That's uh, true. Yeah. So, shall we, shall we introduce our other, well, the other two guys joining us on the podcast tonight as well, Matt, rather than just talk about Pancake Day and go down <laughs> that rabbit hole? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a very special episode today. I'm very excited about it. So, again, we're joined by Mr. Cameron Tate. Cammy, hello. Just will not get back in that corner, will I? No, really. And then we're also joined by the fantastic Theo Barnes. Theo, hello. Hello. Thank you hello. so much for coming on. Um, do you right. want to give a brief overview about yourself and who you are? Uh, yeah, sure. Why you're here. Um, Why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and what you're looking for in love. <laughs> Theo actually just found the ID and password and logged in. You're like, oh, <laughs> I feel like you just morphed into Paddy McGuinness there, Matthew. <laughs> like, uh, what's your name? Yeah. Where'd you come from? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah sorry. Yeah, no. Uh, I uh, am an Edinburgh-based, uh, initially home brewer, now brewer, um, and I pretty much wholly divide myself just by my career because it's also my hobby <laughs> and what I'm in the spare time and my working time and my, I dream about it and that's basically it. It's pretty, pretty sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've, um, uh, yeah, I think I can speak for a lot of people when you're living a dream job for what, I mean, I would definitely want to do it. But so but basically this is a, a special brewing episode and we have a an expert brewer, if I'm allowed to say so, Theo. Go take it, yeah. A professional, if you will, in the business, in the business. And um, yeah, so we're just going to talk about, hopefully, how to sort of set up and brew your own beer and go, or we're going to drink two beers as well in the process of all this, but we're just going to talk through how the step-by-step process of how to brew your own beer and just how it gets done in the commercial aspect as well and sort of the difference as well in that. Yeah. I mean, where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a bit hurt, Matt, because we were going to talk about this and we said it before we started recording, but I'm also a brewer now myself. Um, I have received 
the pinter. I'm brewing my first batch. Theo's very impressed with me being able to brew a pinter. Um, due dates is set today, Theo. Uh, I know you're a big fan as well. I'm talking with my eyebrows. <laughs> it's uh, not good for the medium, is it? No. Um, <laughs> so, getting started homebrewing? Is that what you're yeah. cracking to it? Yeah. Yeah, just skip over pie. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's do it. Uh, well, I'm so acknowledging that. Yeah. My experience in homebrewing is, it's, I mean, like all homebrews, it's a hobby. It's all self-taught. Um, I first got into it when it was an apple tree and my dad wanted some cider off it. Uh, he's not a cider drinker. He just wanted to cook with it. You know. But um, he was very encouraging of me at the age of 15 to, to make my own cider and to drink it. So I started with that, got the juice, fermented it, and it went on to pork. And, I was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then student, university, the appeal is there. It's really, really cheap. Um, got into it with my flatmate. Uh, and really that's where the hobby, much like pretty much every other home brewer, professional brewer starts spiraling, spiraling out of control, takes control of your life and that kind of stuff. You go down the rabbit hole and it never really stops. Yeah. And you think it's going to save you money, but if it really <laughs> gets it, then, you know, <laughs> I've, I've lost a lot of cash to beer. So uh, after that, I kind of uh, finished university and took up at a home brewing shop uh, in Edinburgh on South Clark Street called The Brew Store. And I ended up working there for four years. Uh, sales, talking about beer, and it's quite a, a fun job in terms of people bringing in beer to you to say, what's wrong with this? How do I change this? So you, you really quickly get a crash course in spotting off flavours and how to improve and just generally it's it's working at the coal face of these are massive problems or these are little problems and this is how you can improve or, 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 or make your beer better or, or just yeah, just generally how to improve your beer. Uh, so that was that was basically cut my teeth, and then I went off after that and got a job working at a brewery near Jedburgh uh, in the Scottish Borders, which is a bit of a commute from Edinburgh, but I love it, and it means I can make beer. Though I'm on furlough at the moment because of the because <laughs> of the pandemic, so yeah, I'm doing it now. It might also mean I'm not quite as sharp as I was because this is pretty much the first time I talked about beer in two months. So great. Right, you'll still oh, be what, what? leaps and bounds ahead of us. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we describe beer as yummy, Theo. So uh, any more technical than that. Um, it is yummy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's exactly how we say it. And you, you say you do, you still do a lot of home brewing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it, really. To be honest, um, the difference between commercial brewing and home brewing is 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 so like big it's such a significant difference that it's it's still home brewing is grounding you can still be creative the commercial side of the, the work in the brewery is all about consistency you're essentially working in a in a food producing factory producing a sterile medium for yeast to grow in <laughs> um and it's all about checking boxes and following process and standard operating procedures and, and making sure everything's like done properly and utmost cleansiness and all that and with personal protection and uh, uh, but home brewing is you can see it you can get really 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 back into the ingredients and you can start making stuff that it's okay to fail with um mm. it's not okay to fail <laughs> in the job <laughs> But it's okay to, which is why a lot of the time my homebrew is pretty naff. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so is it a lot of um, 
not trial and error, but so you're able to do a lot more experimentation in the home brewing for you anyway? Certainly. I mean, some people you meet um, in home brewing things, they seem to do no wrong. Like mm. they seem to never turn out a bad beer and you don't know how they do it and they just turn up and everything's golden from day one. Um, and then there's another side to that. There's a lot of people who seem to deliberately do things wrong just to test if that's what's going to happen. So when you get an off flavour in a beer, it's very simply you've done this, this, this or this wrong. It's pretty clear cut. You can fix that problem of an off flavour. Um, myself, like I, I never wrote down my early days recipes when I was first starting off with homebrewing. But I know for a fact that the stuff that I was making back when I started 10, 13 years ago, I wouldn't like, I just drain pour it straight away now. Yeah. I wouldn't look at it. But when I was making it, oh my God, it was amazing. It was the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> I was so proud of it. Um, so it's, it's got a value to you uh, when you've made it. And then it, it's the journey uh, as far as homebrew goes. It takes you along with it. Mm. And like I was saying about those off flavors and things, you start to notice them as you go along and you start to realize, oh, I can improve that there. And you, you engage with it as a hobby. It's a, it's a labor of love and it also is invariably rewarding because you get beer out of it, so you find it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you also said as well something that's quite interesting. You know how you said there's some people that you meet along this home journey, homebrewing journey, sorry, and they do no wrong. Are they able to successfully upscale that, you feel? Or is that just, are they, are they so niche in homebrewing that they just nail it there, but they, can, they can't quite upscale it? Is that quite a common problem in homebrewing? There's so much into stuff car? going on with the grassroots homebrewing that uh, it goes in all directions. Uh, there's no clear-cut solution to like where these people end up or what they do. Uh, heaps and heaps of them decide to go on and create a brewery successfully. Some start with the intention of creating a brewery that isn't that great because maybe the passion isn't quite there or, or and some do it for all sorts of reasons and motivations essentially so do you kind of feel i guess as well extending on what you're saying i find this part really fascinating i think matt and owen will feel the same you obviously can flex your creative muscles when you're homebrewing feel do you feel that you can still like though be creative up to a point from that business perspective or does the creativity always just come like you're always going to throw out the wild and wacky ideas in homebrewing because I see more and more now in beer that there's some big breweries now that are doing crazy things that are out in the public can buy. But so they must feel that they can still flex their muscles on a commercial Absolutely. scale creativity, right? I mean, that's well, what you basically described is what we'd probably call the craft beer industry. <laughs> it's variety and flavor and stuff coming out of small businesses that have have, have that in their DNA. They have that built into, into experimentation and expression and um showing off and <laughs> bringing all these things and some of it's done it for the uh, like showing off for the sake of showing off and some of it's got point and purpose and it's it's been the best time uh the best products like i'm incredibly positive still about like all the quality the, the the sheer quality of stuff that is is being churned out there's a lot of anxiety in brewing that uh that it's directionless and it's kind of like gimmicky and there's all this kind of stuff but honestly <laughs> it, it, it's rare to come across something that's genuinely terrible it's so rare to come across that something that's genuinely terrible yeah. it's all it's all yummy as you yeah I, yes. I, yeah <laughs> I mean, cross the line yeah. oh. um, so, so what are some of the more sort of difficult things about starting home brewing where would you say the more the, the difficulties lie in that uh, Walking into a homebrew shop, just deciding you're going to do it. <laughs> Go into a homebrew shop. Um, 
first red flags, like not to call out what you've got there, but if it's generally, from my experience, if it's generally got a lot of branding on it, if it's been packaged up as a, a, a single swish looking product, again, naming no names of any products that anyone on this podcast might have bought, it, it, it's, it's they, they, they come across every single year. There's a lot of wise people trying to like make a few bits of quick quid and you see them around Father's Day, you see them <laughs> around uh, Christmas time and it's a single packageable item which you can take home mm. and it's very easy to say in marketing terms on the side of a box, put water into this and you get beer out in five, 10 days time. And they yeah. are always yeah. 100% they they they're, they're no good like and it's it's just happened time and time again and it's i've never been proved wrong <laughs> <They're always laughs> um uh so so this kind of like condensed all one packages so what i say is first off is kind of get the basics of equipment sorted and yeah. the best way of thinking about this is you, you invest in this equipment first time you're buying it all very very rarely is it going to turn out more expensive than buying a, a 224 slabs for tenants yeah, it's, so yeah. cheap. it's so cheap it's so really that cheap it really? yeah it's really cheap um so look at Owen just thinking now he's <laughs> scratching his beard going oh becky we have a tiny two-bed flat but um i think Cross we can make brewery has a good ring to it <laughs> i'm opening a brewery so i won't be able to buy it for another 20 years <laughs> he's gonna we'll walk go out of this room to becky going we're, we're, we're going to be a brewery now. <laughs> the bedroom isn't a bedroom. The living room is all our room. The bedroom's a brewery. It's yeah, because I, yeah, I think you know, that's the biggest thing that, I mean, one, I don't have the space, but two, I'd be slightly apprehensive about doing it. It's just I kind of think the cost, the outlay initially would be yeah. quite a lot, and mm. I've never expected it to be that cheap. So, so, so yeah. you start a kit brewing initially, which is a really easy way to get started. The cheapest, the cheapest you could make it for um ingredients wise <laughs> this wouldn't make a good pint but it would make a it would make a pint uh, you're probably talking about 30 pence a pint wow wow and That's then crazy. Up, to the, up to the highest end of that you're probably talking about 70p a pint uh, that's the highest quality kit you can buy maybe more i i, I still use wine kits because i drink a lot of wine yeah <laughs> um and yeah. The, you can use your beer home brewing kit for cider and wine so this has these sort of kits have everything that you'd need in it. Yeah. So first off, separate the idea very clearly Ed, of equipment and ingredients. Right. Yeah. And your equipment is the stuff that you're going to use over and over again that you've got to kind of look after a little bit. But we're just talking about buckets here. If you're thinking about going into it, think about volume, first of all. What is the kind of amount that you think you're going to be turning out? Because if you say think you're going to brew small amounts of five litres each time, you invest in all of that equipment. That doesn't convert later on to when you decide to go up, go up to 40 pints at a time. It's like yeah. 23 litres. So if you think that you're going to like get into it, think about the volume. Now, 23 litres seems like a lot of beer to get through. It's kind of the standard homebrew volume that's that's kind of like brewed and drunk across the UK. <laughs> um, I don't know who decided it was five gallons, five UK gallons but they decided and they're stuck, fine. But say you share a couple of bottles with your pals, bring a couple over there, obviously when the pandemic's off, um, yeah. take them around, you suddenly find that you're down to 25 bottles for yourself. The other thing that happens is 
you're drinking it over time. You, you know, it's things about the beer, how it changes over time, how it develops. And you learn a lot about the beer and how maturity and how conditioning and these things work. So it's a journey just watching it develop and change and grow as a beer. It's great stuff. So think about volume when you're getting started. Are you going to stick to small batches and re- be really experimental, but quite labor intensive? And by labor intensive, I mean, you're putting in the same amount of time to making a beer, but you're getting five liters out instead of yeah. 23 liters for the same yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Um, or you could go all in and buy a 16 heck to liter brewery and make 3,000 pints a time. Fine, a bit more expensive, whatever. <laughs> um, but these these plastic buckets, so say if you're homebrewing five five litres at a time, you kind of just need a glass damage on. Um, so breaking down the equipment, is that a, kind of a good way to go right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be my follow-up question. Equipment itself, a couple of vessels, let's say it's 23 litres what we're doing, a couple of vessels, a couple of plastic tubs. This is all available from the homebrew shop. Um, yes. A siphon, which is a kind of a tube that you suck on to get it from one vessel to the other. Um, helps to have a kind of a plastic beer paddle or if you've got a slotted stainless steel spoon salad spoon that will do the job um, an airlock which is just kind of a little hole that goes on top of the lid and allows air co2 uh, so it allows co2 to exit the vessel but yeah. it, it means that the lid's not going to pop off during fermentation essentially because you're not fermenting in a pressurized container uh, a couple of other things that come after that but the most important thing on top of that all is sterilizing uh, powder really essentially and if you if you're just getting started you can start off with some simple chlorine powder don't use bleach don't use soap um it's it sold in some shops as vwp and i've heard a lot of people using milton baby sterilizing stuff uh, that does the job you sterilize you're not sterilizing babies you're sterilizing the um bottles that babies drink from i don't know if that helps yeah. I'm not a parent, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... <laughs> um, well, and then you can move, like, I've moved on to slightly kind of, like, more um, interesting cleaning chemicals, which have kind of a, <laughs> make, make my life a lot easier. But if you're just getting started, you want to keep it simple. You want to keep it yeah. basic. Yeah. See if you like it and take on with a hobby. See, I, I think I'd be that arsehole that walks into the homebrew shop. And if you spoke to me, I'm like, I've never done this before, but give me the most expensive of everything. And I want the most complicated of everything. And you must get people like that, that just have, that just kind of going on or kind of whim. And they're like, I just want to buy all this stuff. And then they must, if stuff doesn't turn out great, do they come back and almost blame you? Like, look, I've got all this cool equipment. The customer like you walked into the homebrew shop when I was working out and pulled the shutters down and locked you in. Just holding his pointer in one hand. (laughs) Fix it for me. (laughs) It was always hard, like, trying to sell something that's kind of pitched in some ways historically on, on, like, you can make your stuff cheap. And I'm trying to sell stuff. But people are trying to do it on the cheap. <laughs> yeah, literally that kind of conflict yeah. uh, of things going on there. But um, it goes all the way to to, to all grain brewing systems. Um, there's one called the Grain Father, which is six hundred and fifty pounds usually, goes up to seven hundred. Yeah. and it's a dream. So good. I don't have one. But you won't, yeah. That's <laughs> the plug for it. If we get one sensors. <laughs> but that's one particular product, but there's lots of things kind of like all in one brewing units. And when I say all in one brewing, that kind of gets on to talking about um all grain brewing, which is using the, the actual ingredients, which we've not really got to yet. I'll come back to that. Yeah. yeah. Um so say you've got your two vessels, your two plastic tub vessels. Really simple. You can get better stuff. So stainless steel, it, like you get. You get really into it, you start talking about the different qualities of different vessels. So plastic isn't actually that great, but it's really cheap. Glass, yeah. 
is really good for kind of certain things like excluding oxygen and, and kind of reducing the chance for infection. But it's also clear, so you've got to keep it in a cupboard because that's bad for beer. And it's hard to get stuff in and out. And if you drop it, you cut your hand wide open, which I've done. And then you get stainless steel, which is really, really expensive, but basically perfect. Um, so, so you have those differences with the containers, um, which is something you can get into. But I say, if you're just looking to test out what the, what the hobby is like, start off cheap and then work your way up. Uh, your outlay for all of that equipment can be as cheap as about £30 up to £50, £60. You can take it all the way. Sorry, you can you can spend hundreds on it. But like mm. just saying, if you're looking to keep it cheap, then, then that's fine. Um, and any kind of homebrew shop will have starter packs set up. And the trick to spotting the, the useful ones is do they look really shabby and do they look really like... Uh, poorly put together because homebrew yeah. shops are really really poor at branding and like it's hard to make plastic that is functionary yeah. look good yeah if it's in a, it's in a clear-cut box then they've tried to glam it up and they're putting an extra cost on top of it but no you're just looking for pockets here um but you've got your fermenting equipment and this is where you can really start the hobby you've got the stuff you need to make the beer uh, because there's these things called malt extract kits or, or basically homebrew kits and these are um, ingredient packs where the brewing process has already been completed, essentially. They make the wort, which is the, the hopped malt, and then they reduce it into a really, really thick sugar. So they put it into a, essentially a pressure vacuum and heat it, and they take away all the water. And you've then got a really compact um, malt extract, which has been hopped. You can then pour that into your sterilized tub. So you, uh, you clean the tub, with this uh, kind of homebrew sterilizing powder, rinse it out if it's a rinsing one, and then pour this in and top it up with water to 23 liters. Sprinkle your sachet of yeast um, onto the wort. A lot of them say just sprinkle it directly on, but I'll, I'll go against that and I'll say, always rehydrate your yeast beforehand. Sterilize a week up, put in some water, down to 30 degrees Celsius after a bit after being boiled and then just kind of add the yeast and let it rehydrate and it will instantly improve that beer. Put that yeast in there, put the lid on and that if you keep it warm at about 19, 20 degrees room temperature, that will ferment nicely for about five to seven days. That's it. Yeah. So all you are doing to make your first batch of beer, aside from buying the stuff, is cleaning a bucket with the stuff you've been provided with. It takes about 10 minutes. And most of that is just like sloshing it around and walking away for five minutes. So, see, and again, that's I think what just listening to you say talk about it. I know my granddad used to do it and things like that. So you, you assume you go, oh, do you know what? It is people do do it and it's accessible, but I think it is such a daunting prospect. I mean, I, I'm not sure how Matt feels about it, but I know myself who've never done it. You, you wouldn't think it would be as simple as that. How you've described it. Um, I think there'd be a lot more sort of technical stuff going into it. But the question I'd have for you is where do you find most sort of new home brewers slip up on? What part do you think they kind of get wrong? Cleansiness and patience. Cleansiness and patience every time. Uh, if you don't clean your equipment, you're going to get an infection in the beer. You can hardly ever really get, <laughs> you very rarely get anyone ill off beer, apart from if you drink too much, it's alcohol. <laughs> um but you do get off flavors and stuff like the classic exploding bottles and that kind of stuff. So if you're not cleaning your equipment, it won't just be the yeast that you, uh, so you're creating a sterile environment. That work that you put in there is, is, is essentially sterile as well. 
And the only thing that's microbiologically in there is the yeast that has been selected for that, for that beer. But if you've not cleaned it, then it's anything else. It's uh, the vinegar bug, something that can, can make 23 litres of vinegar. It's uh, something that can just give it a little bit of a taste or a little bit, a little bit of a twang. Every single yeast has got it, so it can, can create its own flavour profile when it's working away, which is one of the things that's amazing about the profiles of the beers that you're drinking here and today is that each yeast has its own indent and its own identity and that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so if you don't clean your stuff, that'll probably end up in there. And best case scenario is it's not going to ferment much else and it won't have much flavour profile and you won't notice it's, it's there. And the worst case, worst case scenario is it's a really bad off flavour. It can ferment more inside the bottle and make the, the bottles overly fizzy. And... Right. Um, and then really bad case scenario, which has happened to me a number of times because I was really taking a mick with a lot of styles of beer that I was trying to brew, uh, especially plastic buckets and that kind of stuff. When, you, when you're stirring them, you can scrape them and they're a little bit more porous. Uh, and if you've got a really bad infection, that can hold on to that plastic surface and then that will repeat across various beers, which is why I now use glass carboys because it's so hard to scratch them yeah. that that never, ever happens, no matter what crazy nonsense I put in there. So I think kind of the last question we had for you in terms of sort of getting into home brewing and things like that, um, before we get you to sort of dive into and judge our beers that we sort of want to create for you and you could sort of tell us how to do it, is but what advice would you give people wanting to start a career in brewing? So, but it, people come from absolutely every single different background. Like it, one of the best things about it as a hobby and as a, as a thing is it's that mix of art and science. Uh, which people you hear a lot of the time whenever you talk to anyone about this it, you can draw people from any old background and any old kind of discipline you get the artists and uh, and the people who are talking like have the ideas and creativity and so <laughs> the scientists and that kind of stuff but you also get the people who are interested in the application the process the science the underlying things going on it touches on absolutely every single <laughs> it touches on so many things of human life that make us make, make it all worthwhile um and it's that marrying of the two. So I've never, I was never into science at school since. Um, saw myself as like art and creativity, but I've now got right into chemistry and, and all this kind of stuff just to try and make sense of what's going on and to make myself better at beer. Um, so no matter what your background is, you're probably qualified <laughs> to have a go at it. <laughs> but the other thing, as I say, is that it's a, it is a pretty hard job like the actual commercial side of it if you think of making it depends what side you get into because you could just be like into beer like yourselves you're holding a, a podcast on beer so you are in it done um there's a decent stock of like beer, the beer talkers yeah um so, so yeah if you're interested in beer and you're making money off it you're in fine we're not making money out of it, so we're still, yeah, we're still waiting on that. I think we're in the red, aren't we? Actually? Oh, like, we're massively yeah. in the red. Big, big yeah. in the red, yeah. <laughs> big because in I haven't got that merchandise made. Yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> yeah, you bought that pointer on uh, on the anyone but Chester credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to explain that to expenses to Matt. Yeah, accounts are going to be fuming. <laughs> I um, I actually, I had a few. I just had a quick. A uh, few questions if that's right before we go on to the uh, yeah, crack on. The other thing I was just going to add on the end if you do decide to get into the physical side of it, the actual making of the beer, then it's it's um, sounds like a glamorous job from the other side, but essentially it's like it's quite heavily accountable. Uh, yeah. If you look at the beer, you're out on your ass. Um, it's pretty poorly paid, 
Um, <laughs> and it's really, really hard. Like physical, mucky, dirty, cold. Um, if you kind of and <laughs> and there's all sorts of businesses out there that are willing to kind of like take people in, but like usually it can be at the entry level where you hear a lot of kind of pretty uh, not great stories about people washing casks for five years out in snow drifts and <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's hard work yeah. like and it's really only starts and and long hours but um other than that it's a joy <laughs> yeah but i think i think Theo, like one of the things that i i'd be interested in what matt and owen think about but like what i've always in our friendship i've always got from you is like your passion towards it and it's something that owen alluded to when we talk about it and me and tempest like i'm incredibly passionate like yourself and like that almost kind of trumps everything else because you actually feel like, I don't know, it's just an awesome industry to be involved in. I think that's, you know, and if you get the right people, it's a, it's one of the best. It's one of the best things to do for sure. I think that's a real, yeah, I think it's a real compliment to yourself. The way you talk about it is so, yeah, so passionate and you can definitely see just from this evening talking through it, how interested and passionate you are. So it's great to see them. You get a lot of people who kind of yeah. think that Bruin's going to be, uh, a solution and they turn up and they think this is going to be the way to like how it, it's so good to make stuff with your hands to have something that you can physically call yeah. a produce that you've made and and there's a huge extent to which I think that fuels the boom in the craft beer industry people want to be physically making stuff and having something that they can get feedback on call their own and be proud in because there's so little manufacturing so little actual production of stuff that people can put value in in this country um that's so it's podcast, really good really. and uh, philosophically and that kind of stuff to kind of to be able to work with your hands and to be able to kind of to do this. Um, but uh, come back to me in ten years' time. I don't know what the like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you not do you, you you two must feel like the way Theo talks about it. Like you can tell that he genuinely like cares about it, which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, I, and that's kind of what I say. What a, and I, I know it's every every sort of jobs have a lot of negative. Well, jobs have negatives to it, but to be able to speak so passionately about your job, I think, is wonderful. And you can tell you really care about it because otherwise you wouldn't come on and talk about kind of what you do for a living on a Tuesday night when I know there's not much else going on. But I know I know, I know at times if I said to Matt, talk to me through some fucking code or whatever, Matt would just sort of roll his eyes and. That that that's it. It's not. It's a totally different. Yeah, it, it's it's very I'm rare. Pretty arrogant. So I pretty much talk about anything as long as it involves myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just found the, the headline for this, <laughs> this week's episode. Yeah. Right. I mean, there. I think you're doing a disservice to our podcast, there, Owen. Why wouldn't you want to come on the iTunes number four thousand eight hundred fifty? Yeah. Did you actually look that up? <laughs> Is that actually our rank? Oh, oh all right. Oh, I'd rank. love that. Yeah. I want to know our rank now, can I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, for next so. week, I'll find that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Theo, where one one quick one, if it's all right, if Matt's okay with this, is um, where do you no, where do you kind of no? no, no. I'll, I'll mute myself. Who do you think you are, Cameron? <laughs> but where I guess two things that I'm really fascinated about for the whole context of this show is like, where do you? Where do you think it's going in the next sort of five years? But also, what do you think you now need to kind of be different? Because we see a lot of new breweries propping up every single week, but I kind of feel it's kind of been done before. Where do you feel the kind of niches are in the market moving forward, Theo? 
I've no idea, mate. I'm just trying to keep my job where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's the same, mate. That's the same, mate. Yeah, I only yeah. look one step at a time, my friend. People have been saying for ages that like market collapse is coming because there's so many breweries out there. And, and, and this is quite kind of what I mean by saying there's a big difference between enjoying homebrewing the hobby and running it as a business. Because when you're running a business... What are you actually doing? You're you're essentially making a cheap commodity product, <laughs> or, 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 which cheap craft beer is also now a luxury commodity product. So you can pay ten pound for a tin, or or go to Tesco and pay three pound for a bottle of for a can of Hazy Jane. Um, good beer, that. Hey, but but basically like um and and there's a lot of like big 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 players who own most of the market and there's a lot of competition and and, and all these small small breweries are all fighting for a tiny tiny space one single pump line one single keg line the ability to have a bottle of beer in that fridge and how much money we think is actually crossing the counter over the pub bit. So this kind of, this is this is the romantic idea of what making beer is, which is fantastic and it is really good. It's like the amazing idea that you can make something and sell it. But the actual competition that's out there is huge. And the, the state of things is that the variety is, 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 is incredible. The choice of the consumer has never been better. Um, and how long can that continue for? And how how long can that be sustained without buy-ups and 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 like the big players coming in, yeah. and people cutting costs to compete to grow? Um, it, it's it's always an anxiety in the industry uh, for for the small independent brewers and for the small independent businesses is what's over the horizon. Um, and it's yeah, it can keep you up at night, but. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go because because I didn't say that it was going to be a pandemic a year ago. <laughs> I didn't like. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone was like, people were saying it was going to be market collapse before the pandemic. People were saying it was going to be market collapse five years ago, and it's and it's it might come. It it's inevitable. It probably will. Yeah. Um, just just hope the good guys survive, but they most likely don't because the bad guys are coming. Heineken, AB InBev, Diageo. Uh, the people I can quite happily slag off because I hopefully will never work for them. <laughs> but, um, just let us know if you want to bleep out some names just in case. Over, uh, actually, they could hit them, those companies. They could quite, they, yeah, if that gets out into the public domain, then they I'm not surprised, them. actually, yeah. Knock on yeah. the door in the middle of the night and then bang. Yeah. Well, we could be dealing with a lawsuit. That'd be quite cool. Yeah. How would we? I would at least get our name in the press. Yeah, Any yeah. press is good press, I guess. Mum, yeah. we made it. Yeah. We made it. And I need a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe because of that. Yeah. No, um, fuck it. No, fuck them. Fuck those guys. It's fine. We're only like 4,000 ranked in the iTunes charts. They want to find us. They want to find us. We do Go need to it. find out what we are. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, um, yeah, so I just a couple more questions then, Theo. So, these packs you were talking about, which you had then the water and the yeast and the sugar. Um, obviously, you said it, you go to your homebrew shop, but are these easily accessible? Or, yeah, yeah, really easy, accessible. Yeah. I, would, I would buy them through independent homebrew shops. I wouldn't buy them through Amazon, but okay. that's just... Yeah, no, no, no um, I'd, I'd probably go. So is there anything, obviously, they're probably itemised so on... From, from probably we've done because I've been away from it for about three years, but um, the really good ones 
Uh, so, so the the good homebrew shops I'd recommend. Uh, the one I used to work with was called Brew Store. That's in Edinburgh. Um, Malt Miller is really really big. Um, so I think he tends to do kind of raw ingredients. It's is is their speciality. Get Air Brewed. I think that's in uh, Ireland or maybe Northern Ireland. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. But uh, so those are kind of like individual uh, homebrew shops, and you can just look them up online. There's there's quite a few of them. But individual brands and stuff, you can generally spot better ones. The more you're spending on a homebrew kit, ingredients pack, the better it will be. Okay. Uh, it's as simple as that. You're, pay, you're paying for better ingredients. There are some right. really, really gross ones out there. Um, generally, the kind of the £13, £14 end of the, of the scale. And there's like £11 ones. There was a great customer, <laughs> great in a sense. You come in every single two weeks and buy six tins of um, essentially this, this brand called, I'm not going to mention the brand, but like a, the cheap one. And he'd be back two weeks. So that's six tins. That's making, what's four times six? 120, 240 pints. Wow. Of, oh, oh, it's essentially a 3% beer. So happy days. This fellow was like 85 years old. Yeah. <laughs> was he the like... CEO of Heineken by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, up to, up to the end, so I really liked, uh, there was festival brand uh, kits and uh, Young's cool. did uh, uh, so, sorry no uh, I was saying that's, that's pretty cool I've never actually thought about brewing my own beer and taking it to a festival that's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty damn cool I mean you could probably fit a pint along your back that's, yeah, that's <laughs> true accessible for anything <laughs> pint <laughs> So Theo has beautifully walked us through the stages of how to get into homebrewing. Now for stage two of this well-constructed podcast, we're going to go through our brewing the unofficial podcast beer of anyone but Chester. Are you excited? We are. <laughs> He's coming for our job. Thank you. Then, thank you very much. I'll see myself out. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Still getting paid. Dad, I killed it, Dad. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you know what? He knows what fucking pine is, and now yeah. he can. He also knows our, our podcast name as well, which is which is incredible. Yeah, fuck. Anyway, again, the passwords <laughs> yeah, to all our social medias. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, all three so, of us. All, all three no, of I was going to do. Yeah, go on. All three of us know. came up with. Um, with all three of us came up with the idea of a different beer that we'd like to become the podcast beer. I just want to put as a sort of an asterisk or a side note before we start this because it's literally it no, angers no. me. It makes just, my blood yeah, boil. No, can we, can every... we hit into this, Theo? Theo, sorry, don't listen to him. Sorry, mate. I'm just going to go in here, Theo. So, beer number one, or what we're going to do? We're not going to listen to Matthew Smith and any fucking asterisks that he's throwing at us. So, for my beer, I have decided that you know what. As we've said, really hazy, juicy IPAs at the minute are really, really popular, aren't they? Everyone's loving it. And I think it's kind of like haze craze. I kind of come up with the terminology, the haze craze. I'm really, really proud of that. So um, so what I've decided to do is uh, I went for a New England IPA. And I'm going to call it the haze craze because, again, I think it's, it's a craze for the haze. Um, I kind of want it to be, I'm going to change the booziness of it because I do want it to be boozy and punchy and pack a, pack a bit. So I'm going to go for about a 6% uh, um, 440 milliliter can. I'm changing that up on the fly. 
what do you think? How could I go about brewing this beer? I'm looking for those stone fruits that I really want it. I do. I, I, it's kind of my favorite type of beer to drink. Um, and I know it's very popular at the minute, but a really sort of mangoey fruit punch beer. Well, just to interject before you start, Theo, I feel for the listeners, Matt is just step back from the microphone, absolutely raging. <laughs> why? Why though, Matt? What are you talking? I'll well, see you in court, <laughs> and you know why, you piece of shit. So sorry, Theo. Just as a just as context here, in the past couple of episodes, I coined the term the haze craze, and when we discussed talking about making our own beer. We asked Owen what he wanted to do, and he said, I'll just have a lager called lager. Now, sometimes simplistic methods are great, right? But I know Owen, I've known him for 12 years, and it was the laziest fast-forward approach that he fucking loves to do. And then when we both took the piss out of him because he said, I'll have a lager called lager, which is ridiculous, which is fucking ridiculous, right? He then went, oh, I'll just call it the haze craze. And it literally happened 10 days ago, and my blood has boiled every day since that has happened all right so you're you're calling the lawyers on him for taking the name Hayes Grace yes okay and are total going to call the lawyers on you well I mean you can try the Hayes Grace is a total but it's that's that is it yes the name's taken me well I'll fucking see them in court as well I'll say yeah because I'm I'm no I'm not having it I'm not having it for a start. <laughs> you just served him. That was beautiful, bud. Was... Yeah. No, Theo, honestly, <laughs> onto my serious onto my serious one. I, I did wanna, as Matt said, I was, I was only saying that to wind him up. I did want to make um oh, you were? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was You created a lager and called it lager. Because yeah, you're a lazy bastard. That, no, I actually thought that was quite clever. No, you're a lazy I, bastard. I was literally, no, I'm not lazy. You don't know what goes on through this brain. I no, do. Right, look, you're, no, this is for Theo. Stop, Theo. I'm terribly sorry <laughs> you're going to have to see this bickering between us. But so my idea was, I think, and I do, I think we've had these really big punchy things. And I spoke to Cameo, I spoke to a couple other people. And I think if stuff were normal and we were allowed out in the summer again, they want something pretty simple. And from what I've heard a lot of people say, it's very hard to hide in a lager. So I'd want to make a really high quality one. And I just called it lager. I'd say lager, lager, just for, because it's, that's what people want. It just says it, what it is on the tin, 330 can, 4.3%. So you could drink a lot of it, sit back, chill in the sun. That's the sort of idea I want to go for. How would I go about making that? So you don't want me to design a recipe called the haze craze? No, I, no, I no, 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 no. That was. Oh, have you? Okay, you we'll was, do that. Yeah, I thought go that on. was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was it. No, no, go on in. Go on. No, no, Let's no, do no, that. No, I want, no, I want no, one no, to the no, haze I always keep my brewing book close to hand. And fortunately for you, I happen to love lager. And I happen to have made a 4.3% lager about two weeks ago. Go on, we'll do that. That's lager. I've <laughs> just Googled it. And he's right, there is a beer called the Haze Craze. I put all in the Netherlands. I've died a little bit inside. They, they can afford lawyers, so. <laughs> the dream is over. Yeah, so sorry. So I, I, I did want to I did want to go for this lager. If you've got it there, then fantastic. I do apologise for the Haze Craze, but 4.3, <laughs> that hits my You apologise to him? 
Sorry, yeah. Theo, you apologise to Theo. You won't apologise to me. To Why would I apologise to you? Because you stole <laughs> my fucking name that I've now stole off someone, but I didn't realise. I'm not sure you, you did, mate. I think you I Zuckerberg'd me. Name. You Zuckerberg'd me completely. I mean, have you got any proof that you came up with it first? Yes, we have two podcasts. Audio recordings worth. Anyway, Theo, I'm sorry. Sorry you have to listen to the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I could probably drink this while we're talking about it because I've got it in the cupboard oh. right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, this is it. Oh, it's one I prepared earlier. Hunter from earlier from Owen Um So the Kiwi Lager. Lager lagers are about the hardest thing you can get around to brewing. All the stuff that we talk about, like hops and flavour, and especially this beer we're drinking right now, where it's all going on. That's the, the reason why I really like the one that you've been drinking earlier, the Queer Brewing Pilsner, is absolutely sensational, just clean and bright, and it allows the ingredients to talk, but without overriding each other. So there's a little bit of floor, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it's clean that it goes down. You're not using too much in the way of ingredients, but keep them fresh and you're trying to keep oxygen out yeah. of it if, if you're doing this on a homebrew level it takes a it takes a fair whack of like plugging away and, and experience and that kind of stuff but keep it as just barley if you're looking to keep it authentic are you more of a kind of a pilsner or a kind of a munich lager or a, or, uh, or, or an international lager yeah, no munich lager munich lager is probably more where i'd yeah, go for you look like a, a guy stuck a deer in the head like yeah, yeah. oh but shit yeah, lager, he doesn't lager. know what he knows he knows what munich is and he went with it i've been there we've landed there once i've seen the airport i've I've got out and walked around the plane and then come back on <laughs> that's so also munich lager <laughs> Uh, yeah, keeping it simple, I'd just chuck in three and a half kilos, three and a half kilos of pale malt. We're going to make twenty-three liters, if that's okay. So we've yeah, got my yeah, home cool, kit. Two and a half kilos of, uh, well, I said pale malt, but we use lager malt. So there's just a couple of little differences. It's essentially the same stuff. This is your bread. This is the basis. And whenever you're using pale malt, that's in pretty much all of your beers up to like a hundred percent. In this case, it. it We'll mix it up a little bit, but it would be 100%. Uh, so even the kind of the darkest, richest, like, yeah, we'll just use Guinness as an example. It's black, but that's mainly pale malt, lager malt in this case. Same stuff, but not really. And then we'll also just chuck in a little bit of Munich malt. Now, this is your toast. So your pale malt and your lager malt is your bread, and your Munich malt is just being cooked a little bit more, and it's just, you put it in the toaster, and it's just got those extra flavours coming through from it. Bit of toast, bit of richness, bit of roundness, and that's going to back up and give you that multi backbone. Um, I'm salivating. Is anyone else salivating? I, yeah, I really oh like toast. <laughs> you're really fancy some toast. Uh, and we could just leave it at that, or we could add other stuff. Keep it simple, yeah. and we'll say three and a half kilos of uh, flag malt. Let's go with 400 grams of uh, of Munich malt. Yeah. So we're just going to keep it simple. There's loads, of, to another. There's loads <laughs> of like tricky ways of getting really good flavour out of these things when you're making a lager, when you're mashing and doing all this complicated stuff. But we'll, we'll avoid all the, all the special stuff that you can do with lager mashing. We'll just do a single mash. We're putting that grain in with hot water. We're going to hold it at 66 degrees Celsius. We're going to hold it like that for an hour. And then the chemistry is going to happen and all those sugars are going to come out of it. And we're going to pull those sugars off just by rinsing it with water on the top. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to boil that. I'm going to boil that for 90 minutes. And we're going to add, at the very start of that 90-minute boil, 
60 grams of Hallertau hops, uh, Hallertau Herzbrucker. So this is a German type hop. So it's, it's grown in Germany. It's a noble type hop. It's got herb flavor, a bit of earthiness. It's grounding. But most importantly, it's got alpha acids in it. And that's going to give bitterness. And the amount of hops we add and the amount of bitterness that hop has in its potential will influence how, how much it is. So this duration beer that we're drinking right now has got in total about probably 60, 70 IBUs, maybe more because it's a belter. But yeah. this one we're going for here, like this will use a mega hop with tons and tons of bitterness, boiled for a long time to get all that stuff out. And we're just going to use this one hop and it's, that's just me. And then we'll, when it's really, really cold, we're going to get it to about 12 degrees. We're going to add our special Munich Lager yeast. I've got my own particular favourites of these ones. So there's the uh, yeah. White Labs, it's called WP920, and it's Old Bavarian Lager Yeast. And I'm pretty sure it's either Spaten or Augustina. And these are individual strains, so you can go to the, the, uh, the homebrew shop and buy the individual strains of each individual brewery. We'll ferment that for basically 10, 15 days, nice and cold. I've been fermenting loads of lager recently because it's been snowing, like it's just been snowing, snowing, snowing. Yeah. So I can take it out once it's been in the house, which doesn't have the heating on, and then cold crash it, leave it out, essentially really, really cold, get it nice. Uh, and, and, and it's that patience. Wow. Lager just means to lay down, to lagen, um, it, it in German. So the longer you leave it and the colder it is, once it's finished fermenting at those kind of like low temperatures, the cleaner it will be and you get those nice flavours out of it. And uh, leave it for two or three weeks. Okay. So you could drink it. My, my, my beer was ultimately, I want a nice, simple, crisp beer, as you say, where we don't want too many flavours arguing with each other, nice and simple, and one that you could have a quite a lot of on a nice hot day. That was my idea behind it and why I called it. Matt goes, I'm a lazy bastard. But my yeah. point was lager. I called it lager and it's a lager because I just want It's exactly that. It's a simple beer. I don't want any thrills. bastard. Every single beer I've called in my homebrew book has just been called lager. See, there you are. So yeah, I think I've a lazy bastard. <laughs> I've just lazy met you. Lazy bastard but... lager. There you go. Yeah, lazy <laughs> bastard lager. That's what it should be called. <laughs> Thank you, Theo. I think I mean you're gonna you're gonna give the say on which you think should become the unofficial uh, podcast beer, but I think I'm already a front runner. Should we go yeah, to Cameron Tate? Yeah, Cameron Tate, you can go next. Throughout that when he was like, Max "What you strain are we using?" He was like, uh, "Usually I just rip open a bag and I put it in the pinter." But yeah, sure. <laughs> It's like when the first person right, goes for the long jump in the Olympics and goes, "Well, I've won the gold here. <laughs> I'm first now." Well, I reckon so, I am. Uh, yeah, because I've jumped the. I know. I know you can't jump as far. As I've jumped the. I've jumped the highest there. So, uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, they're in the lead, aren't they? They're technically in the lead, <laughs> so it's your job to catch up. Right. So, okay. I, Cammy, do you want to? Um, do yeah, you want to yeah, introduce your, your your beer? Love to. So I want to brew for the unofficial beer of the podcast, Theo. I wanted to go for a table beer. So my table beer, uh, the name, very pretentious and cool, is an exchange of views because I've got lots of time on my hand and I thought it sounded really cool. I'd like it to be served in a 500 mil can for drinkability. So I think actually 440s, that extra 60 mil, you know, on a nice sunny day sitting in the park. Table beer, 3%, and the ABV, as I said earlier, is 3%, Theo. Pretentious, that, 500 mils. Yeah, very yeah, pretentious, isn't it? Pretentious. Ooh, that extra yeah. 60 mil. Oh, I really uh, need that 60 oh, yeah. mil. Mm-hmm. Quality, not quantity, mate. <laughs> Quality. Quality. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to give full disclosure. I'm pretty bad at brewing table beers. I've tried oh, a lot. No. <laughs> Maybe Owen was right. Oh, God. Focusing on lagers. So, exchange of views, the name's not taken. Congratulations, Cammy. That's that's a new name. You're not going to get sued by Tuttle. Thank you very much. Well, if, any, if anything... They're not going to get sued by me. If the beer itself is off, at least the name's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're massively reducing the amount of grain that we're chucking in there what were we chucking in the last one for it was about four and a half yep. 4.5 4.6 kilos in total this one same amount of, of beer that we're going to make but I'm going to chuck in about 2.8 kilos in total so we'll still create that backbone with exactly what we're talking about pale, pale malt uh, or we could use lager malt again uh, we could keep it light and a little bit rustic we'll go with lager malt so 2.2 kilos of that. And then on top of that, I think it needs just a little bit of um, something else. So we'll put in some golden naked oats. And this is the one that you'll find in across quite a lot of oat lagers now. So it's in Innocent Gun. It's kind of got nutty tones, vanilla vanilla notes. Um, it's quite a dense, hard unit that the wee oat is, but it's been toasted and slightly kind of caramelized in a sense. But it's not too sweet, it's not too cloying. It ends up a bit dry, but it's got a bit of character to it. This will be great in that. And the other thing we're going to chuck in there is torrified wheat. Um, so this is basically wheat that's been popcorned, essentially. Um, and that kind of gives a, a kind of slightly haze, slightly fresh, fresh, like light notes to it. And that will just be about 0.25 kilos. And the other thing that will do is give it a little bit more head retention. So it will have a nice thick white creamy head on the top of the bear. Because it's got because the wheat has got higher amount of protein in it, that'll get caught up in the CO2 and that'll just lace the top of the pint. Okay. So that's your malt base. It's really light. It's gonna make something that is three percent. Three percent would be great for you. Three percent. Because it's so light and it's it's gonna be so dry, kind of as a result of that. First thing is I'm gonna mash it at a slightly higher temperature. So I'm gonna mash it at 69 degrees Celsius. It's gonna leave a lot more residual sugar that's in there. It's gonna add a bit more body and it's not gonna to taste too thin. We kind of want I think the best thing for it is soft, fruity flavours. If you go harsh and piney, it's going to cut through and it's going to taste dry. If you go too subtle, like Noble Hops, like in the Lager Bear, it's going to be earthy and herbal, but it's not going to be like particularly outstanding and it's still going to not help that thin thing. So I'm going to go for some Australian hops to kind of like give it stone fruit flavour, apricot. Um, I'm really crap at fruit because all I eat is kebabs. But kebabs um, <laughs> <laughs> <Grab a> work. <laughs> uh, uh, peaches, stone fruit, apricot, bit of melon maybe. So galaxy and Ella are really really good. We're gonna boil some bittering hops right from the first start. That's gonna go in for 60 minutes boil. That's gonna give you the bitterness. It's gonna balance the sweetness. And then we're just gonna chuck in some hops at the very very end uh, when the when the when the flame goes off underneath the pan. You chuck in some hops. And you let it sit for 20 minutes uh, just to get some of those flavours infused but without giving too much bitterness. And that'll eventually give you some uh, some things going forward. And the, the, the yeast I'm going to choose is a little bit left field because I'm a nerd. It's the Bastogne yeast from White Labs, which is the original fermenting yeast in Orval before they add the Brett, I believe. So it's going to kind of give not lagery notes, but it's clean it's essentially an English bitter yeast in many ways. Clean, it's got some fruitiness, but it's basically neutral. And I'll let the, the hops and the kind of the briskness of the clean malt flavours and, and the minimality of the water come through. 
That's, that sounds pretty good, Kane. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Are you sweating over there? No, I'm not sweating. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty good, but you still come I mean, up short. So yeah. Theo, still come up, Theo's done a good job there in making that. Theo's, Theo's done a great job. Making Theo's that beer come job. to life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, like, I like that, Theo. But, mm. but Theo, I'd I buy that right now. I'd buy that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise for this next one because, I mean, it's you're going to lose, Matt. But, uh, Matt, would you like to introduce your beer that you'd like to put forward for the podcast yeah it's called the hazy crazy no uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, so um so my joke that way too <laughs> yeah stick that in your lawsuit <laughs> like, so my one my one was called the name of it is called the pursuit of hoppiness it was going to be a 440 milliliter can it was going to be a five percenter and it was going to be in the style of an IPA. So West Coast kind of piney and citrusy in that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like I want to get like those drinking beer that we're drinking now. Yeah, you don't like West Coast. I do you... like West Coast. Uh, I mean, no, you're saying this because I'm not. I'm, you know, I, sometimes I go, I'm not a massive fan of the business, but I think with five percenters, you won't get as much because the alcohol content isn't as strong. I That's think what I wanted to say as well is like, think of a beer that Will Smith would like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, say I'm chilling with my pal Jazzy Jeff. That's the sort of beer okay. I want. I've given you okay. enough content there, Theo. I think <laughs> I'm chilling with Jazzy Jeff. I think me a bit. Just <laughs> went blank. He was like, "What am I working with here?" The colour scheme for the Fresh Prince of Bel Air artwork is quite not really west coast ipa you want more like clean greens whereas you're, you're talking juicy fruity yellows with the you are yeah you're not wrong Sorry, um... <laughs> okay um all right let, let's no, just stick go... with your west coast stick with your west yeah, coast yeah we're going to go I west coast yeah, ipa you want, but... <laughs> uh, so west coast ipas i mean obviously we've had the one did you one from duration that's sort of a 7.1 percenter but do you think it would still taste good as a five percent yeah. Having all that stuff in it, it'll, yeah. It'll, it'll, that that West Coast IPA is a five percent that will taste better than a New England IPA at five percent. So one of the things that goes on with New England IPAs is <clears throat> there's something about like body and alcohol supporting those really really um, fruity flavors, the fruitiness and sweetness of alcohol supporting those fruity flavors. And there's also some fermentation things that go on there that make that thing. So that's why you see a lot of eight percent New England IPAs, and that then pine. The pine in West Coast can pretty much cut through anything, so you can kind of create the, the harshness and the sharpness through bitterness. You can, yeah, you can add that hop thing to give the idea of alcohol burn, so you can make a, a strong taste in the uh, West Coast IPA quite easily. Sweet. So West Coast or East Coast? Let's go West Coast. East Coast. Sticking with the West Coast. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> East Coast is something. We'll create there. a new genre. Let's go. Oh no, East South Coast. Coast. Is... <laughs> I was going to go South Coast. South Coast IPA. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Right, West Coaster, five percent pale malt. You bread the stuff that's going to make the most of it. That's three point five kilos. Seventy-five percent of the recipe. This is going to be. So that's where mm. most of your sugar and most of your stuff's coming from. And we're going to have a much more complicated malt bell in this one. We're going to chuck in a lot more interesting things. First off, we're going to help that head retention that we're talking about with Cammy's beer. Wheat malt. It's different from the one that he had, but it's, it still produces the same effect. It's a bit more robust. It's not being popcorned. It doesn't have that kind of raw flavour, but it'll help okay. the head retention. And the Munich malt that was in uh, your man Owen's 
that that's also going to be in there. We're going to add the toast. The losing in the beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing we're going to add in there is basically two types of crystal malt. Now, this is the caramel, the caramel sweetness. When you see a red beer, ruddy, kind of like deep colour, these things are going on in there. Right. This is all on a scale as well. So it goes up from basically naught to 100. And you know, I mean, there is a, a scale called the SRM scale where you can actually get the, the EBC scale where you get the colour scheme of each malt laid out for you. But basically what I like to do is choose a really light one and a really dark one to give you the range of flavours that go on there. So English caramelt uh, from a local maltster called Simpsons who did the best crystal malt in the world. English caramel, that's going to add light caramel flavour, light toffee, light sweetness. It's not going to be cloying and, and too sweet and too sickly, which is what you get in a lot of especially English IPAs. Yeah. And then the other thing we're going to add in is extra, extra dark crystal malt. And this is harsh raisin dates really kind of tinny and a little bit acidic as well and that's going to give it a lot more color so it's going to come across this bright red uh, like deep robust red color mm. um so in total 3.5 kilos of golden promise which is the pale malt just a really good local one um simpson's caramel 400 grams extra dark crystal 400 grams wheat malt 250 grams and minute malt 200 grams and then the hopping schedule gets way more complicated than anything before as well so we use a big American bittering hop. It's cheap and brewers love it. Columbus. And that's going to give most of the bitterness. We use 10 grams of that and we're going to boil it for 90 minutes. It's got tons of alpha acids in it. It's going to give bitterness to balance all of that sweetness. But then we're going to add hops constantly throughout that 90 minutes. So we're going to add hops at 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and five minutes and zero minutes from the end of the boil. And then some has dry hopping as well. Dry hopping is where you chuck them in after the, after yeah. the boil. As a fermentation, are you add, sorry, uh, you adding more of the Columbus hops as you go on. Uh, I'm gonna, hops. I'm gonna stay off the Columbus hops. I'm just gonna add them at the start. Though you can add them in later if you want. But I, I've got them a little all laid out. But it'll be a bit boring to tell you the exact schedule. So I'll just name the hops. <laughs> okay, yeah. Simcoe, Centennial, yep. Chinook, Amarillo. Basically, if it starts with a C and it's from America, it'll be good in this one as well. And the, 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 this is the range of flavors that you get in most of these ones. It's like citrus orange pith, orange peel, orange juice from the Amarillo, and then pine, especially from Simcoe, and, and all of these flavours. And the later you add them in the boil, the, the more of that bright, crisp aroma, but you can't negate the fact that it's adding flavour and bitterness. Uh, and then the yeast to choose with that is, is from White Labs again, because that's my bread and butter for yeast. Uh, it's the number one strain, 001 uh, California Ale Yeast, and that's the classic yeast that made... The American craft beer revolution kind of start. Wow, it's really I mean, clean. It, it has a little bit of an ester profile, so it adds something to it. It doesn't strip away hot flavour. It kind of leaves the malt flavour more pushed towards the back and allows the hops to really briskly shine forward. And all these yeasts have different performance capabilities that I like to do these things. I mean, I know Theo's the judge and gets to pick who wins but I mean I hate to say it, I think I'd probably go for Matt's but that's not what we're going for <laughs> well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what why don't we do what we do for people for our bars why don't we give everyone like 30 seconds to sell their beer all right all right so now Theo has you know graciously given all the details for our fantastic unofficial podcast beers why don't we all give ourselves 30 seconds to really sell this beer marketing wise and you know, hammer it home, and we'll let we'll let Theo decide which one goes ahead. Okay. As the anyone but Chester on a fossil podcast bit. So I see what Owen Frost says. You were the front runner and claim to be the only winner of this already. Do you want to? Do you want to give? Do you want to? Do you want to start us off? 
Yep. Okay. You got a timer up. Uh, yeah, I can. No, okay. Yeah, no, you know it's not going to take that long. It's not going to take that long. I just, uh, I just wouldn't want to override. Right. You ready? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Thirty seconds. Go. Theo, I think the reason why you should choose lager by lager as the unofficial beer for uh, the unofficial beer for the thing of Chester podcast is because it does exactly what this podcast was set out to do. Really strips back beer, makes it simple, accessible. I want the flavours, the simplicity of the flavours to speak for themselves. I want something where people can get together, enjoy it and enjoy it en masse because I think uh, lagers are accessible for everyone. Um, 4.3% so you can have a good few of them and I'm seeing it being sat in the sun when we're all allowed out again, just chilling with friends. That is why I think you should pick lager to be uh, the anyone but Chester unofficial beer. That was 42 seconds, so your case is null and void. <laughs> Theo, please disregard anything that was said because he obviously can't tell the time. Cameron, you ready? Let's do this. Ready, go. After lockdown, picture the scene. You're in a beer garden with your friends, conversing, having a great time. Much like that scene in Lord of the Rings when Frodo sees all his pals again, like Gimli and Gandalf, having a great time. <laughs> That's right, it's table beer, and it's the winner. All right, that was 18 seconds, and that was really well done. <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> after you told me that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck, respect. Okay, all right. Oh, I love anything Lord of the Rings related. Got nothing, got nothing yeah. against that. All right. Um, yeah. Hey, I, I know our audience, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> right, Matt, I'm going to get a timer up for you, and you're not going to have any time to thingy, so uh, Go. Suit of hoppiness sells itself. Want extra dark crystal malt? We've got that as well. And guess what? The label is made of velvet. Boom. Get people hot. Pursuit of hoppiness. Done. 15 seconds. <laughs> it's like a race. You took a couple of seconds to start. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, Theo. The velvet thing, man. Um, so, no, actually, actually, question question for you, Theo. Actually, what oh, no, consider Theo, to be the sexiest it. material on earth? Velour. <laughs> oh, velour. Okay, all right. It's in the V family. They're sort of connected. Yeah. Do you know? Oh, I also love the off. fact that you didn't need any fuck any hesitations to think about that. It was immediate that you knew it's, it's it was velour. I've never seen you before, but you look exactly like Zach Brannigan. <laughs> that's beautiful man Uh, yeah okay the the velvet is just some weird hangback that matt has in a weird yeah i i consider velvet to be one of the sexiest materials so i'm going to put it on my label for this i was going to vote for pursuit of happiness as the favorite but i'm not into that So that, leaves, that leaves table beer versus lager. It'll be off brand for me to vote against lager, but I've actually had that one that I brewed. It wasn't particularly good, so Cammy wins. Oh, oh. <laughs> the look on his face before he'd done it. <laughs> Put that on the CV. <laughs> okay. Cammy, I do expect some Tempest merch for that. Come on now. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> we knew yeah, that was a backhand, I'll send, I'll send the link to you on Friday. I'll send it to the host, mate. I'll send it to you. <laughs> no, um, Theo, I just want to say, um, 
after that terrible decision. I would have said it was a pleasure. <laughs> no, it's been um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, tonight. I can only t- thank you for taking the time out to talk to us about it. Uh, I've really enjoyed myself. I'm sure Matt and Cammy have. Um, so thank you so much for joining us tonight. Everyone, give a My hand up for Claire. Yeah. Matt, Matt, do you want to kind of wrap us up? We've not done one of your, your sort of jargony things in a while. Since the last episode. Yeah, no, right. I did the last episode. <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm going to take over. I'm going to absolutely oh, smash on, this. Yeah, I did the on. George Smith one. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning it's in tonight. Edge, yeah. Well, but it will do. Yeah, it will do. This will be out after the George Smith one. So, guys, stop trying to beat. Stop fucking Nick Pickett. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Right? I've, guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Again, a massive thank you to Theo and Cammy uh, for coming on. Um, please add, rate, and subscribe. Uh, all the usual podcast jargon. Give us a review. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Um, that's the not- He's not happy with that. Missed about missed the socials and the emails, but it's fine. <laughs> All right, go on, mate. See you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you later, guys. <laughs>